This episode of the Detox Podcast is brought to you by Rebel Riot Printing. Celebrating their 10th year in business, Rebel Riot is locally owned and family operated, offering custom printed tees with no minimums and fast turnaround. And by Bitsbox. Bitsbox teaches kids to code. Real JavaScript, real devices, and really fun. Hands down the most fun way for curious kids ages 6 to 14 to learn coding. Use promo code DETOX for $20 off any subscription order of $50 or more. That's D-T-A-L-K-S DETOX for $20 off any order of $50 or more with Bitsbox. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I speak to a good friend of mine and podcast host and actor, Mr. Josh Lehman, or Josh Lamon, as I call him. He is the host of Josh Swallows Broadway on the Broadway Podcast Network. We get into a lot of details, including his artistic journey, the road he's traveled, his advice to new up-and-coming artists, as well as his advice to parents who have actors in their household. It's a great conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy it, so stick around. First up, Brian Salmon is back with another Ask the Birth Guy, and then we'll get into my conversation with Josh after this. Now it's time for Ask the Birth Guy. It's me, Brian the Birth Guy, and I'm here to answer a question for you guys. As we know, breastfeeding can be tricky. Breastfeeding is not always easy. It's easy for some, but for many, we struggle with a lot of things. When do we stop? Are we doing enough? Is my baby eating enough? Now that my baby's having solids, what do we do? But this particular question's a good one. It reads like this. My wife has been breastfeeding for about 18 months now. When do we wean our baby? Well, that's a great question. Some people like to wean their baby right when their baby goes to solids. Some people wean their baby at three months. It just depends on your lifestyle, what your goals are, and nobody should really be impressing on that. So if she wants to continue breastfeeding, she should. Some people breastfeed for many, many years, for like four to six years sometimes. And, you know, that's their choice, personal choice. You have to do what's right for your partner. Some moms think it's really hard to break that breastfeeding relationship because of the closeness and the bond, but they also want their life back, kind of, and their life has become breastfeeding, but they need to have a little more of that autonomy, so to speak. So it's always a struggle because they feel bad and guilty many times. So whatever your wife or partner decides to do, you guys really should talk about it and definitely support her. And be, be the, being the best supportive partner, that's what really counts. I hope that helps you guys here. I'm Brian the Birth Guy, and it's back to Joe Shaw and the Detox Podcast. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is the wonderful, the fabulous, the always incredible and amazing. No, it's not Mrs. Maisel. It is Josh Lehman. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And thanks for describing me like that. Of That's, course. I should have you fill out my J-Day. Right. 
<laughs> well, I always feel it's important to have a good hype person, regardless of where you go. So I think, you know, I'm happy yeah. to to always walk into a room, like old school style, like Downton Abbey announcing people. That will be me, but with more flair <laughs> for the dramatic. <laughs> that, that sounds great. <laughs> so Josh... I am extremely excited that you are on today's episode. There's a lot of different uh, avenues and paths and questions I want to ask. Um, but for those that may not be familiar, I do want to go ahead and headline. Josh is a fantastic actor that is currently living and working in New York and is currently on the prom on Broadway. Am I getting that correct? Well, the prom closed, so right now I'm just doing some TV stuff and improv. So, but, um, so I was yeah, right. No, I've like been a couple in months. New York for 16 years, <laughs> and that's what I do. Very nice. Very nice. And you also are the host of the incredible podcast, Josh Swallows Broadway. And if you could, <laughs> if you could for, uh, for the listeners, kind of give some background context on what that show is, and then we'll dive some more into how I know you and then your career. And then we'll talk also about your life and your perspective. And there's a lot of really great questions I think my listeners are going to be eager to hear your thoughts on. Great. Um, yeah, well, Josh Follows Broadway is a podcast that's sort of like a late night show set up. Mm -hmm. It is not for the kids. There's plenty <laughs> of profanity and dirty language. And I talk to some of my favorite people in the industry. Um, and we talk about everything from careers to why the industry is awful. <laughs> um, why do we do this? Um, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. And I met you back way back when in 2005. Yeah. Um, yes. So we worked on Godspell at Bass Hall in Fort Worth. And I just thought you were incredible. Uh, you were there and my good friend and well, our good friend Jay Johnson was in that. And it was just um, what I love about Godspell. This is this is what I wanted to talk about. Not not to go on and on and on about your accolades and me and all that. But we'll get there. But with <laughs> with Godspell specifically, I had never seen the show, heard the music, knew anything about it before that point in time. And really, yes. Well, I mean, I let me say, I had heard of it, right? Like, heard of it as like, you know, it's a staple musical. There's this. There's in the same way like Joseph the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, Jesus Christ Superstar, all this stuff, kind of around the same time ish. But I'd never watched the movie, heard the cast recording, and like this was back when. If you didn't have the music, you had to like go physically buy the music to get it. And yeah, you did. You had to go to like a library, right? To, you know, cross a river. <laughs> I almost said the f word. Am I allowed to swear on your show? Uh, fuck yes. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was impossible. But I still can't believe you didn't know Godspell. Like you being from Texas, yeah. It's like I just figured everybody there is like, you know, King Baby Jesus in a circus. Right, oh! right. Well, I mean, yes, you were correct. My my mom loves Godspell. And when she found out I was working on Godspell, she was thrilled, pulled out her vinyl copy of the cast recording, you know, blew off the dust, got her record player out and played it. And I listened and I went, I, what? it wasn't that I didn't like the music. It's that I wasn't quite sure what I was even listening to. And, yeah. and then day one in rehearsals, um, the first time that I saw y'all in rehearsals, y'all were working on Tower of Babel, which was not on the original cast recording. And when I heard y'all's rendition of Tower of Babel, I went, I don't know what this is, but I'm in. I love it. Oh, that's good, because I thought it was so weird. 
Oh, it, see, I <laughs> I will fully admit that I hate Godspell. I hate it with a passion. <laughs> Back then, I didn't hate it as much, but I hadn't been in it like eight fucking million times. Sure, sure. You weren't jaded. And, you know, I'm like, wait, this show is absolute rubbish. <laughs> it is rubbish. It is garbage. It is about nothing. <laughs> And it makes no sense, and it has a couple of good songs. <laughs> Why, uh, for me, what I was interested in with Tower of Babel, I think this is what resonated with me, is like I was listening to the original recording, and I wasn't sure, like I said, what I was listening to. But when I heard Tower of Babel, to me, and also, let me, let me put a little context in this. Uh, I had just turned 18. Um, I was highly, like, like, um, I don't want to use the word like emotional in a negative sense, but I, there was a lot going on. I was about to go into college. I just graduated high school, all these things. Right. And I was, wanted to be an actor yeah, you were in the theater. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, oh God. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I, I the heard, curse. yes, exactly. And I, I heard this music for that song and I went, it was, it was this like, it was, it was, it was weird, but for me it was this like this is weird and this is different and this is the spin we're putting on it and it's Tower of Babel. And I went, yes, yes, I'm here for it. And so to me, then I was all in. I was all in on the music, all in the show. But I will fully admit, uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of it, but it did lead me to Jesus Christ Superstar, which I am a big fan of. So sure. it works. Also, I got into this like uh, heated debate with somebody because they were like, uh, this is like a little bit of a sidebar, but... Uh, back, you know, Texas, Christians, Lord, baby Jesus, right. And the circus, all that stuff. Um, someone was like, you know, you're allowed to like God spell. Like, I, I don't know why, like they were telling me what I was allowed to like, but you're like, allowed. Right, right, right. <laughs> they were like, like, as they're like, as a Christian, um, you are allowed to like God spell. You are allowed to like Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. You are not allowed to like Jesus Christ Superstar. And I said, what? And I said, why? And they said, because Jesus doesn't rise from the dead at the end of Jesus Christ Superstar. And that's blasphemy. And then, oh God. And then I countered and I said, well, first of all, let's, let's talk about the fact that it is a musical. So it's a creative work. Okay. Um, two, the entire show is told from Judas's perspective and Judas died before Jesus rose from the dead, so it's actually a little bit more accurate if you're looking at it in that context. And then they, like, stopped. Uh, and their mind was like... I hate them. I don't know who they are, but I hate them. I'm like, <laughs> as an agnostic person, you are allowed to right. bathe my mother right. and eat a bag of dicks, because I fucking hate you. <laughs> Um, people are just <laughs> stupid and ridiculous. That's like those people that like won't let their kids read Harry Potter because oh my of sorcery. Gosh. Yes, yes. I'm like, believe me, if Harry Potter could give anybody powers, like my life would be very different. Right, right, exactly. But I say, I say all that. There's a point here, and the point is okay. right. So the through point here is the fact that I think a lot of times. When I talk to parents and they're so, and I think it's a little bit, so even though parents, especially ones that I know, are a little bit more helicoptery now, they're also a little less freaked out by stuff. And I think it's because you can easily like just Google something and read all about it and move on with your life. 
So you don't, there's no letting people's perceptions like this other person influence you because you can go, well, no, that's not accurate. Here's some facts, but also like, I don't have a problem with it. So I'm going to move on. And, and I think parents, when we're trying to figure out like, what should I be wary of? What should I not be wary of? I think if you haven't been exposed to the arts or grown up in it, you're not quite sure how to approach different artistic works. And so what I want to really like pivot on and talk about is what has been like, what was um, your experience with your parents when you were coming up? Were you always an actor? When did you know you wanted to be an actor? What was their thought process and approach? And then um, that kind of stuff. Cause I, cause I think a lot of parents would really like to know because there's so many that I talk to where their kids want to go into theater, but they have no experience. And they ask me because they know I have some, what their approach should be. Sure. Um, well, my parents were always really supportive. My happiest times like memories are with my mom going to see junior theater in San Diego where I grew up. And, um, You know, they were always very supportive. It was what I wanted to do. But to them, they treated it like it was an activity. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, little Jimmy's going to go play soccer and then he has swim practice and piano or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so they were very adamant that this was not going to be a career for me, even though I really wanted it to be as a child. Right. Not as an adult, just as a kid. They were like, we are not schlepping you to Los Angeles. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we are not doing all this. You are a kid and you are going to go to school. Right. And then you can do whatever the hell you want with your life. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm very grateful for that. I've worked with a lot of kid actors that, you know, some of them come out really great. Others, I'm like, yeah, yeah, this business is not meant for children. This business is not meant for anybody. Right. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I'm trying to circle back to your question. Am I... Yeah, I guess for advice for parents, um, just let them explore the arts Mm -hmm. and have fun. The most important thing is that it's fun. If it's going to be an episode of Dance Moms and become competitive, then don't do it. The most important thing that I teach, like the kids that I teach Mm -hmm. when I do audition classes and master classes and stuff is like, look around the room. Who you see is not your competition. They are your community. Mm. So, mm. you know, I feel like you can really teach kids a lot of great stuff also about public speaking mm-hmm. and having confidence to get out of your own skin and make contact with other people. I think it's great. Right. I think that's so key, especially when you talked about the community aspect, because the, the, um, oh, what am I trying to say? Uh, there are, um, there are a lot of times. So I'm in uh, in the business world in my day-to-day job and I'm talking to people and I'm working with people. Usually when we're working together on a project, they'll say, you know, hey, Joe, you're, you're project managing this really well or you're collaborating really well. Um, uh, what, what was your background in? And I said, well, I did, uh, I played sports and they were like, ah, oh, that's it. And I went, but really it comes from all the years growing up that I was in theater. And it took me a very long time to realize that the people I was working with, I was working with, not against. And to your point, they were the community. And when I realized that and and worked with others and we brought it together, we succeeded. The show succeeded. The quote-unquote project succeeded. And then we all win. Because with, you know, and I think a little bit more too with sports that I played. I played hockey. It, it You have to be a team, but also like 
you shine because one or two people can like really take the load onto them. But in a show, you can only have a lead take so much on them because they're not always going to be on stage or always going to be uh, involved. And so you've got to rely on everybody. So that's that's absolutely key. I love that. That's, oh, that's so good. Well done. Well done. I think we've solved parenting for everybody. Good. <laughs> It only, took, it only took 12 minutes. There we go. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I want... and that's the episode. See y'all later. Uh, deep, deep, That's all, folks. Right. <laughs> no. Um, but now I really want to hone in on what was your first... Um, I had a friend of the show, Rebecca Kennedy, on several, several months ago, maybe it was earlier this year, where she talked about, she's in LA, and she talked about doing shows and then moving to LA and really getting started in that career and what that all looked like and the ups and downs. And so I really want you to kind of walk us through going, because uh, you you didn't finish college, correct? Correct. I dropped out. Okay. So talk talk me through going to college, deciding to drop out and starting your career <clears throat> and where that looks like now, having gotten to to Broadway, working on Broadway, and then where you are now. I know it's a lot, but... um, Yeah, no, well, I was actually kind of a mess. Um, my big... I was always a terrible student. Uh, theater was the only thing that mattered to me. And it wasn't that I was dumb. I'm not book smart. I'm very intelligent. But if a subject doesn't interest me, there's no hope. Sure. You can give me a million tutors. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Right. And, um, you know, which was a big challenge for my parents. And um, they were afraid I wasn't even going to graduate high school. And, you know, obviously I did. My dad came to me and he's like, hey, I found a college that will accept you. <laughs> and I was like, you did? And um, Where is it was the University school? of the Arts. I know. It was the <laughs> University of the Arts in Philadelphia. <clears throat> I auditioned. I got the most promising artist scholarship. Oh wow! And I, I know, and I got really excited. Now here's the thing, Joe. Guess what? What? Everybody that gets into that school gets the most <laughs> promising artist scholarship. So my art school that accepted me was basically the Special Olympics of art schools. Um, <laughs> and so I went there. And some of the teachers were great. Some of them weren't. But my main interest was partying. <laughs> I was across the United States from my family. I was so entitled and didn't even really know it. And um, also my parents were paying for everything. And so I was just like partying my face off and not paying attention. I, you know hated school every second of it and sure. so finally halfway through sophomore year i quit and um i just started trying to find work as an actor and it was a very bumpy road i made a lot of terrible decisions but yeah. i started working in philadelphia i got my equity card and then i was a working philly actor for a few years and by the time that my class was actually graduating was when I decided that I was going to move to New York. Mm. And um, yeah, so I mean, it was a it was a bumpy road. Yeah, I guess. It, yeah. Is that answering the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I think um, 
uh, for those listening that may not be aware, can you go ahead and explain what an equity card is? Oh, yeah. Um, Actors' Equity is the union for stage actors, much like SAG-AFTRA is for film and television, Equity is for theater. And there's a lot of uh, hashtags I know that were going around that, that I saw and the others saw, hashtag ask if it's equity. Can you explain what that means and also the importance of that for patrons? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Let's say Bass Hall in Fort Worth. They're right. going to have a season with a bunch of national tours coming through. All of those tours, you're paying about the same amount of money for a good seat. Let's say it's 100 bucks. Right. And um, that's the business. So an equity tour, they pay their actors a living wage. They give them pension and health. They treat them great. There are safety protocols, you know, including mm-hmm. like there was a non-ec tour of Bring It On, where okay. I heard that they weren't doing the, the actor's laundry because like their costumes oh, wow. because they were doing one-nighters oh my god so people were getting sick because their costumes were filled with fucking you know like mold and stuff swamp ass yeah. yeah and um so that's the thing and then when you get these non-actors you're still paying a hundred bucks but you're paying to see people who are you know generally a little bit younger and a little less experienced right they're not in the union and, you know, and this isn't a diss on them. This isn't saying that they're not talented and all that. Right. But they're getting paid very little. Mm-hmm. They're getting, they're basically getting treated like, you know, forced labor workers. Right, right. Um, and yes, they choose it. But here's the thing. You're paying to see a Broadway show. Right. Non-equity is not Broadway. Non-equity is a company that is being really cheap. Mm-hmm. that is treating their employees not very well and that are not really paying them you right. know yeah. it's like what what do you what do you want to pay for right so that's that's why i think it's important to ask if it's equity that makes sense and i think it's so key and, and i'm going to get back to um to you as well in a second but i really wanted to, to highlight that because it's so key and i think there are a lot of times when we are folk we meaning patrons of the arts <laughs> are so focused on, I want to have a good time, I want to go see this show, whether it's local community theater, whether it's a touring production, whatever the case may be. And I think it's so easy to not focus on that because it's like, because it doesn't even enter your mind, right? As a regular thing. Of course. And so I think when you recognize it's like, oh, I need to only be supporting equity tours as an example, because we need to eliminate the stigma of not paying people, not taking care of them because this is their profession. And I wouldn't go to to the office every single day and do what I do if they were like, cool, we're not really going to pay you. Um, We are not going to give you a place to sit. Um, Your laptop is five years old. You need to find a way to keep making it work uh, and still get it done. And also you're going to have to work uh, double the hours. Okay, thanks. Bye. Like that's, it's just, it's not yeah. acceptable, you know? And I think that's the thing is this is not an acceptable business practice. And the less we normalize it and the more we don't patronize it, the more we can kind of eliminate it at a, you know, in the future. And I think that's the whole goal. And that's also the goal yeah. of the union. Yeah. I, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, boycott or anything no, like no, that. No, no, no. Not at all. Yeah. Like, go see what you want to see. I'm grateful that you're going to see theater. Right. Um, 
but I think you can be more aware. It's sort of like Amazon. They are known for treating their employees horrifically mm-hmm. and not paying them. And though Amazon has become like an Apple product to me where it's so just there and easy right. like it is for all of us. But if it's something stupid that I can pick up at a store like next to my house, I'm going to do that over you know, the the times when I'm like, well, I need this and I can't get it in my neighborhood or even in my city. I don't know where to get it. Sure. Sure. So, you know, just be aware mm-hmm. yeah. of what you're of what you're buying of because it's like voting with your wallet. So just be yeah. aware of yeah, what yeah. your dollars are supporting. That is a very good point. Now, I want to go back to Philadelphia and I want to focus on you and I wanted to ask you. How do you feel, and I know this is, this is, you probably get this quite a bit, this question, and it's probably a little bit varied, but, but your perspective, you went to school, dropped out, but by the same time that everybody's graduating, you're moving to New York. And so what the question I want to ask you is, did you feel, and I understand, uh, we talked about like, if a subject doesn't interest you, you can't learn it. I totally get that. I'm right there with you. But do you feel as in general and also for you, that it was better to kind of just immediately start learning the business, being immersed in it, learning through trial and error, making mistakes, and then moving forward? Or do you think it benefits people to take the four years of college, maybe dip a little bit into that, depending on where you are in the U.S., and then start after it with a degree? So I guess I guess I'm, I'm like working through a thought there. I guess maybe the question is... Yeah, how, no, I, I hear you. How important do you feel that degree is or is not for this profession in your experience? If you're going to be an actor or, you know, in the business and as a performer or stage manager or something, um, the degree is useful for when you aren't working and you need to get a real job. Okay. Not like acting or whatever isn't a real job, but basically that degree is going to be like when you're at a temp agency The temp agency is either going to be like, this job pays $20 an hour or $10 an hour. Okay. You know, so that is the benefit of the degree. Also, for going to a a program for four years, they can help you, like, get in front of agents at the end of your four years if they do a showcase. Okay. That makes sense. That's sort of the importance. Now, for me... I think everybody is very different. School was not for me. I don't think I'm a school person. I never have been. However, I still believe in training. I believe in taking classes. I never have stopped taking classes and learning and growing. And I feel like that is vital for any performer. Right. Um, But everybody's path is different. I certainly made... You know, I don't want it to sound like, well, I dropped out and look at me now because that's not how it works. (laughs) Right, right. You know, like I was in, you know, many very abusive relationships. I had a lot of, you know, issues with drugs when I was younger Mm. and um, put myself in a lot of bad situations. Yeah. I learned from all of that and I've grown from all of that. And I don't want to say I would do it again if I could you know, or not do it again, because I'm here and I'm happy with where I landed. Right. And I think that's so key too, is, is, you know, our experiences in life are what shape us to 
where we ultimately end up. And I think I, w- I was having this conversation with somebody the other day and, and they were saying, they were like, would you go back and like do this all over again? If you, if you could, would you do this different? Would you do that different? And I started initially like, oh yeah, I wish I'd known this and I wish I'd known that and done this and yada, 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 all that stuff. And they got to a point where I said, actually, you know, truth be told, if I hadn't had these experiences and I listed them, I went, I don't know that I would have gotten to the point where I knew what to do. And it's so, it's this weird dichotomy where it's, you hate, not hate, hate's a strong word, but it's like, you wish you didn't have to go through some of the pain. And yet ultimately that's what makes you the person you are. And and I have a lot of mantras that I love to quote um, that are very near and dear to me. And one of them uh, from a dear friend, uh, Catherine, her, and she passed this on to me, and so I've adopted it. But the, the mantra is, speak from the scar, not the wound. And, All right. And, All right, mantra. Right? And I love that because she explained, she said, you know, when you're in the middle of a wound, it's raw, it's fresh, it hurts, you feel it every time you're moving, and you have no perspective or clarity because you're so focused on just the immediate wound. But... As time passes, you get some perspective and clarity. You've got a scar. You're able to step back and look at the full picture and say, you know, I don't know that I would have been able to learn and grow if I didn't have this. Yes, it was bad, but it can also be good and helpful for me as a person. And so you've got that like perspective and clarity. So I think, I think to your point, and this is the through point, because I always love to like find my through point back to where we were talking. But I think what you were talking about everything is different for every person. And yes, you may not have want to do, you may not want to do everything exactly the same as you did to get to this point. However, you're able to look back on perspective and clarity and say, school wasn't for me. Here's how it would have been beneficial. Here's what I know. If I had gotten it, what would have happened? Here's how I know that I was able to get to where I am without it. And you're able to take both of those pieces of information, move forward and and to your point, understand, well, I'm still going to keep educating myself in my craft because that is what's going to help me move forward and progress and learn and grow. And, and I love that. I think the, the theme is even if you're not in school, even if you're in the business, even whatever that is, you still need to be open and willing to learn and grow constantly because I feel like we're never at a point where we're like, yep, all right, good. I've um, done 10 years of uh, dance and I'm pretty sure I've learned literally everything there is to know. I'm good. I'm set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just love that. And I think no, there's always yeah. some asshole that right. thinks that. <laughs> but you can't change them. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I feel like your 20s especially are like a second puberty in a way. Oh, it's like yes. you're... Yep a baby adult Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you know like what what do you do when baby reaches for the fire on the on the stove like do you let it burn itself and be like yep never again right and that's sort of what being what my young adulthood was like was touching different stoves and learning the hard way but i learned right absolutely now I want to talk on as we're as we're getting to towards the end of this. I want this segment. I want to really hone in on you. You spoke a little bit earlier about how you 
are going and teaching classes and teaching camps and, and or whatever the case may be. So I want you to really talk to me about kind of how you got into that. And also since most of the people you are working with are kids, what your perspective and clarity has been uh, for teaching them, educating them, working with their parents, that whole aspect, I think that would be really interesting. For me, it's super important to sort of like take away the stigma of auditioning. Okay. Um, I don't, you know, because when you think auditions, you think terrifying, it's a punishment, you know, everybody hates it and we do. Right. But what if there's a way to make it a little less painful, a little more supportive, a little more just like, this isn't about the job. This isn't about booking the job. This is about going in and doing what you love. Right. For a couple of minutes, this is about, you know, you have to pretend like you're almost hosting a party for them right? and take away the fear and just go in, give your best option. The people sitting next to you at the audition or your community, they're in it too. They're scared too. And there's no reason to make it more terrifying or awful than it really is. Sure. Um, so I teach a lot about that in techniques on how to deal with that, but also how to present yourself best in the room. Mm-hmm. Just from, you know, I've been I've been doing this since I was a kid. So like auditioning and stuff right. and taking classes. I I love teaching people little tricks on how they can perform a song. Okay. And feel confident doing it. Sure. And feel confident putting their best foot forward rather than them trying to be what they think somebody wants them to be. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, no, boo, just be yourself, right. be your best option of yourself. And that is you being a thousand percent successful. The results are out of your hand. Right. I think it can get really daunting for actors and performers when they know they know this right and so you you're teaching them this they're learning it they may already be aware of it and know but at the end of the day it is still really difficult to kind of hold your head up after getting rejected for the 10th 12th 30th time in a row and say i don't know when i'm ever going to book something and so what's your perspective when you've been in that situation um, and then also what's the advice that you like to give forth beyond beyond the what you work with kids on all I can say is once you're done with the audition, forget about it. Mm. It's done. Move on. You don't need to keep track of how many jobs you don't book because most <laughs> of them you won't. Sure. Just like if they give you sides, sides are like pages of the, of the script or sure. songs from the show that you have to learn for the audition. As soon as you are out of that room, find the nearest recycling bin and shove it in there. It's done. (laughs) It is not a part of your life. You do not need to carry it with you. Right. Worst case scenario, you'll reprint the sides if they want to bring you back. I think that's so key. Um, yeah, I don't think any job will make or break you unless it's like a, like Spider-Man 17, you know? Um, <laughs> right, right, right. I thought at first you were like Spider-Man the musical. <laughs> oh, God, no, that broke too many people. <laughs> that show needed a safe word. They needed, Reeve Carney needed to yell like, Brexit, Brexit, you know? 
They needed to discuss their limits. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. That's crazy. But I think that's so key. Not the Spider-Man part. But but um, with the book and the movie, yeah, you're right about that. But, no, I think it's so key. And it's so hard. And I think you in in life and in work life, you're getting rejected all the time. If you're trying, if I'm trying to interview for a different job, I'm going to get rejected more times. Than I'm going to get accepted, and I think you are so right in that you f- prep as much as you can, bring your best self. Don't worry about it, and then walk out the door and you leave it. You leave it all in the room, and you move on, and you move on to the next thing, move on to the next errand you've got, next audition you've got, the next thing you've got in life, and just move on, and it will take care of itself. Yeah. Yeah. All it takes is one. All it takes is one job to say, I want you. Right. You don't need all of them to say it. All it all it takes is one. Yep. And if there ever gets to be a point where it's too much on you emotionally, that's okay. That doesn't mean you're a failure. That means you're a person. That means you're a human with like an actual beating heart. Right. Um, and if it's really tough on you, Go talk to a therapist. Go go do something for you. You also don't have to pursue this as a profession. Right. Art is so important. You can do it for you. You can do community theater. You can do a choir. You can do, you know, performances at church or temple or wherever you would perform. Um, right. You know, I. it doesn't have to be a career. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. I think that's so key. You'll probably I, I have a better quality of life if it's not your career. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you just bring up a really good point. I was, I was talking through, and this will be, uh, this will be the last thing, and then we'll go into the next, the final segment. But I was talking with someone the other day, and I remember I got a degree in theater when I graduated college. I taught theater for a year let go because at the end of the school year, they realized they had too many fine arts teachers and they weren't going to cut the football program. So Joe had to go. And, and I was at a point where I got a job just to say, all right, I'm just going to do this until something comes up, something works out. But then until never came and then eight years passed. And I realized I've been doing this job for eight years and it was this, like existential crisis I was in where I went, I don't know what I'm doing with my life and I don't know what I was gonna do. And I didn't go through this period of time where I like Marie Kondo'd my theater degree. Right. And, right, right. <laughs> and, and I went, I've never gotten to that point and I'm having trouble. My voice is breaking up because of this. It's so emotional for me, but I, didn't know what to do. I didn't know that I had already closed that chapter of my life. I felt like somebody had packed up my stuff and shipped it off to my new like home without me giving the okay. And I came back to an empty house. It's the best way I can describe it. And I went, I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for that. And I had to work through that and talk through that for a long time before I got to a point where I said, I think it's okay because at the end of the day, that path got me to where I am, and I really like where I am. 
And so I, I like kind of retroactively yeah. recondoed everything <clears throat> said, thank you for giving me joy. I'm moving forward, but it was, it was very difficult. And I think a lot of people <clears throat> that were kind of in my similar situation have gone through that and not known, you know, they keep telling themselves, Oh, I'm just waiting for the next audition that I want to do. And maybe 10, 12, 20 years later. And I think it's never too late to return, but I think a lot of people that I went to school with really have moved forward like I have, but haven't understood that. And I think it can be what I would say to those people, this is me again, working through some thoughts. What I would say to those people is it's okay. It's all right. Your path has taken you where you are. And if you want to return, you can. And if you don't, that's okay too. You are valued and loved and, and you matter and you're enough as you are. Also to give you one of my mantras. Yes. When, when one door closes, another opens, but it's hell in the hallway. Mm. So it's okay to be uncomfortable in times of transition. Also, I have so many friends that have been in like 8,000 Broadway shows, TVs, movies, blah, 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 blah. Um, And after 20 years in the business, they're like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I want to do, but I know I don't want to live in this city. I want to move to Appalachia or whatever. Right. Life is filled with transitions for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, the business is not going anywhere. You can always be a part of it if you want. Right. Um, but there is no such word. There's no s- meaning to the word failure when it comes to anybody trying something. Yes. Yes. You're trying something. You know, not not everything is going to work out the way that we dream about. Right. But, you know, even when your dreams do come true, whether that's having a child or getting a puppy, at some point you're going to say, I got my dream came true. Right. I just should have dreamed a little more specifically. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love that. You know, so there's much. yes, there's pain with every everything that we get in life. There's going to be a pro and a con. Right. Definitely. Oh. I love that so much. And we are now, I think that's a perfect cap on that segment. So now we're going to pivot to my favorite part of the segment, the dad joke of the week. It is, it is a segment where (laughs) I uh, hurled dad jokes at my unsuspecting guest uh, to try and get them to laugh while the audience groans. But good thing is I can't hear the audience. I can only hear my guests. So I'm in good shape. However, I always like to spring a surprise on the guests and ask them if they have any dad jokes they would like to share first. So, Josh, do you have any? I don't, but (laughs) I'm in Virginia right now celebrating my niece's birthday. It was a slime-themed birthday. It was a lot of fun. Nice. And because, like, all my jokes, like, are horribly offensive. (laughs) So, but I did find a way to make her laugh. Because she's seven. Yep. And I'm like, I don't know how to communicate with a seven-year-old. Right. Um... Without being like, who's, your boo? who's my little monkey, monkey you know? <laughs> yeah. And so uh, while this seven-year-old stares at you, like, being like, shut the fuck up. Right. Um, <laughs> so I started saying stupid things like, oh, my gosh, that shark looks so lonely. I bet it could use a hug. 
and just like different like oh look at that bucket of knives i want to give it a hug right you know like yeah dangerous things like tigers and whatnot and she just thought that that was hilarious so that was my version of the dad joke your turn i love it i love it okay so i've got several uh josh i wanted to tell you about uh, a theater production i've written um it's called thesaurus uh and it's a play on words it's a play on words. On words. The yeah. Thesaurus. Play on words. All right. Uh, yep. I got yep. to- <laughs> You're like, no, no, I, I get Sorry. it. I get it. Sorry. <laughs> Let's circle back to the word failure. Um, maybe I was wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe you can fail. No. <laughs> uh, uh, Josh, I love using our theater's trap door. But really, it's just a stage I'm going through. Ha ha ha! All right, last one. Wow, last you're one. really taking this dad show. Okay, go go ahead, Dad. <laughs> Can I call you Dad during this? Yes, absolutely. Feel free. Uh, okay, Josh, Great. did you hear about the thief that went to the theater? No. He stole the spotlight. Oh, dad. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yes, well, uh, they are called dad jokes for a reason. Uh, everybody groans and uh, no one wins. So that's the best part. But uh, now, Josh, yes. <laughs> if, if my listeners want to follow you and see what you're up to, what is the very best way for them to do that? Please do. Um, these days, I think I'm, I'm pretty much on Instagram and I like repost things on other sites. So on Instagram... I am at Josh period layman Perfect. and layman is spelled. It's like lemon with an A L A M O N. Perfect. And yeah, also L A M O N L A M O N. I will say also, please, please, please go subscribe and listen to Josh swallows Broadway. It is a fantastic show. I absolutely love it. I cannot recommend it to people enough. It is wonderful. And I really want everybody to go support because I think you will find immense value and laughter and you will be uh, blessed, and your day will be brighter after having listened to it. At least that's my perspective. So I just wanted to put that plug out that's there. That's what I think, too. <laughs> and also, if you want me to teach you or anything, uh, just hop over to my website. That's www.joshlayman.com. Perfect, joshlayman.com. We will put all of that in the show notes. Well, Josh, we need a hashtag for this episode. Should we go with uh, hashtag Josh Swallows Broadway? Um, what about Josh Swallows Detox? Ooh, I love it. Hashtag Josh Swallows Detox. Well, Josh, thank you so much for stopping by the show today. This was an enjoyable Yes, I love you, Joe. Yes. And uh, listeners, I'll be back next week with more great content. But until next time, hashtag Josh Swallows Detox and hashtag Be A Better Dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.